Once Upon a Time. 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 The final episode. Doodle doo doo. Doodle doo doo. The final episode of season two. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to sing the whole thing. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry I did that to you. Your ears are probably bleeding at this point. Your eardrums exploded from the horribleness of my singing voice. I'm a terrible singer. I apologize. I just got really excited for the final episode of season two of Dad's Read Princess Stories, the podcast where dads from around the world read stories about princesses from around the world. I'm your host, RPJ. And yeah, this is it. This is our final episode of season two, which is all about Cinderella-esque tales. And we have the perfect ending to the season for all of you. I am so excited to bring to you this final episode. To cap off this season, we have joined forces with the podcast, The Land of Etheria, to bring to you this original Cinderella tale called Asherellen. Asherellen is based in the world of Etheria, a girl's fantasy adventure world where being different isn't a drawback. It's what makes you a hero. Etheria was in balance until the magic orb shattered in the sky, sending Princess Nia and Princess Lulu on an unforgettable adventure with some unforgettable friends. Now, once upon a time, in the land of Redmond, Seattle, Washington, a dad by the name of Jeremy Hutton and his two daughters, Linnea and Luca, decided that after years of creating bedtime stories based on the land of Etheria, that they would bring their stories to life. After having way too much grape juice, they started the most amazing adventure. They began recording weekly podcasts, sourced an illustrator, and reached out to friends and family to share the excitement. They learned a few things, launched a website, and discovered new friends interested in the tales of Etheria, like myself, and like yourself. Then they learned some more, created merch, figured out social media, and hyped up their fans on the idea of more episodes. What started out as a simple girl's fantasy adventure bedtime story routine to help get them to sleep quickly, became a nighttime portal into another magical land as these stories began to grow night after night and have a life of their own. They started putting in amazing races, fantastic creatures, true friendships, and, most importantly, the lesson that anyone, no matter their gender, capability, or race can become a hero. And that's something that we can all learn from, especially right now with what's happening in the world. Asherellen and the Land of Etheria is written and read by Jeremy. He's the dad. And he enjoys reading, writing, 
biking, spending time with his kids, and listening to music until 8 p.m. when he turns into a pumpkin. Linnea is the older sister and enjoys singing, handstanding, playing tricks on friends, cooking, exploring, and getting a second wind at exactly 9 p.m. Luca is the younger sister and loves the outdoors, spending time together, laughing, reading, thinking, experiencing, and having quiet time until all hours of the evening. Jeremy, Linnea, and Luca enjoy building worlds where anyone, no matter their difference, can be a hero. They believe it's time to challenge old stereotypes so we can all be the hero we were meant to be. With that being said, please enjoy this original short story called Asherellen, based in the land of Etheria. Hey everybody, I'm Linnea. I'm Luca. And I'm Jeremy. And we are the creators of the land of Etheria. Once upon a time, in the land of Etheria, there was a great warrior who married a powerful woman of high degree, and they had a son whose name was Asher. Shortly after the birth of their son, the father died. Asher's mother married a second time, but this time to a horrible man, and they had two sons who were horrible. These two boys and their father hated the half-brother and thought he was a complete idiot. They even decided to nickname him Asherellen and blamed him for everything bad that happened around the house. They would taunt him with the nickname all the time, saying, Asherellen do this, Asherellen do that. If anything broke, it was always Asherellen's fault. Whenever their parents' back was turned, they would punch Asher in the stomach or slap him on the back and then say that he had hurt them. Or they would make a mess of his room while he was out doing chores so that when his parents came back, they thought Asherellen was a naughty, messy kid. Sadly, Years after these boys were born, the mother passed away as well, leaving Asherellen and his two half-brothers to be raised by his mean stepfather. Oh, oh no. Mm-hmm, pretty bad. Asherellen's stepfather often tried to find ways to swindle and trick people out of their money. He, quite frankly, was not an honest man. Even though his half-brothers were so mean and his stepfather was so crooked, Asherellen still helped out around the house and wouldn't leave the place where his own loving parents had birthed him. As they all got older, the half-brothers became more and more frustrated with their half-brother. We'll never meet anyone cool with him around, especially not any girls, Maurice, the older brother, said. <laughs> yeah. Girls. <laughs> Girls. <laughs> yeah. We need to get out of this place, away from Asherellen, and find some cool kids to hang out with. Charmin, the younger brother, agreed. So they made up their minds to run away from home, and their father, who was too old to work and take care of himself. And quite honestly, everyone in town knew he always tried to trick them out of their money. The very next day, as soon as the sun rose, the half-brothers left and did not tell their father or Asherellen. 
When Asherelin realized they had left, he first thought it a great idea. Let those two go. They are nothing but trouble. But then his stepfather came crashing down the stairs. Bam! 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 Asher Ellen soon realized how furious his stepfather would be if he learned that his two sons were gone and were never to come back. So Asher Ellen ran after his two brothers and hunted them down until he found them and carried them back home. They reluctantly came back and scolded him bitterly the entire way. They're not very nice. Yeah. <laughs> They're kind of mean, aren't they? Yeah. The two then decided that they were going to threaten to sell Asherelin as a slave. And they thought they could, for they had made friends with all sorts of unsavory characters all around town. To make it fun, they took a bunch of their father's coins and threw them outside in a huge mud pit. If you don't find all of our father's money by sundown, we're going to sell you to Farmer Laura, who will surely put you to work on her farm all the days and all the nights of your very life. She'll work you like a dog forever and ever. Then they slammed the door. Asher Ellen looked at the huge mud pit and all the coins that his half-brothers had thrown in it and wept. He knew what a monster Farmer Laura was. She was notorious for working kids to the bone, day and night on her farm, without pay. The only one possible worst thing was maybe to be at the old witch's house. Eek. I have an idea what Asher should do. What? He should like put a lot of water in the mud pit so that it just becomes muddy water and then all the coins will sink and then he could just grab all the coins. That'd be super clever. True. Let's see if he does that. Let's see or what he does. Mm-hmm. He could go try to get go out for the day and try to get money. Um so he can say, even though this wouldn't be very honest he could say that he found all the coins, even though he didn't, because the boys, the other boys aren't going to go in the mud pit to see if he found any of the So he just makes coins. more money? So he just makes more money? Yeah. That's because that would be paying back the guy without having to go in the mud pit. Yeah. That's smart. That would be. He'd have to work extra hard. So, suddenly, he heard a noise. <laughs> Crack! It was the sound of a few branches cracking. When he looked over, there was a giant gray tiger walking towards him. Ah. Why do you cry and lament? asked the tiger. My brothers are jerks. They made me do all the chores and are nothing but trouble, answered Asher Ellen. This morning, they said they would sell me off as a slave in the evening unless I found all the coins in this mud pit here, coins they stole from their father. Sit down, said the tiger and dry your tears. The gray tiger walked over to the mud and began sniffing around. He grabbed one clump of mud and brought it over to Asherelin. Then, Asherelin looked closer. It was one of the coins. The tiger did this with great precision, walking to the mud and then back to Asherelin many times until the last coin was resting in a pile in front of him. Now listen to what I tell you said the animal. These brothers of yours are foolish and have done a wicked thing, but they will get punished for what they do. Maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but someday. Do what is right and just, and it will be better for you 
in the end. The tiger then walked away and left Asherelin. When the brothers came home that evening, they found the coins stacked on the table before them. And oh, how mad and angry they were. <laughs> they couldn't believe Asherelin had found every last one. <laughs> so the brothers resolved, with even more conviction, to leave their house and never return. They tricked Asherelin into eating a special pie they had baked with moonshade pollen. Pollen that would put you to sleep if you ate it. Asherelin fell asleep for a whole day. Oh, wow. Oh, no. It's not good. When he woke up, he went searching for his half-brothers, here, there, and everywhere, day after day to find them, until one day he came across three dwarves who were complaining about two nasty brothers who had played a trick on them. Two human brothers are no match for three dwarf brothers like us, the oldest dwarf said, pointing to himself with his thumb. His name was Potiphania. Absolutely, said another dwarf, putting his arms around the other two. His name was Elephania. We really kicked them into the keister, he said, then drop kicked an imaginary ball over the hills. Ha 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 ha, said the youngest of the dwarves, whose name was Jacob. They're so going to get what's coming to them, especially if they try to steal the dagger of light from the old witch's hut, said Potiphania. That's a fool's errand. Asherillon walked up to the three dwarves. He had to find out if these two humans were indeed his brothers. Could they be so foolish as to try to steal the dagger of light from the old witch? In truth, Asherillon knew that they were that foolish and shook his head. Oh yeah, they're not gonna, this is not gonna <laughs> end gonna very end well. It's not gonna end good. His brothers are crazy. Insane. Totally. When he asked the dwarves about it, they described two tricky boys exactly like Maurice and Charmin. There's a few things you should know about the Witch of Morinvale. She was a very powerful elf and had been banished to an island in the middle of the Swamish Lake years ago. And to protect everyone, a powerful spell was put on the bridge that led anyone into the island. The spell kept anyone with an impure heart from walking back into Morinvale from the island because no one in the entire town wanted anyone coming back from the island. I have a question. Mm -hmm. What did his brothers look like? Well, Maurice had really dark brown hair, almost black. Like yours. <laughs> mm -hmm. Kind of like mine. And Charmin had really blonde hair. Like Draco. Yeah, kind of like that. I was going to say like Luca. <laughs> well, my hair isn't very light. It's like dirty blonde. Yeah, it's like dirty blonde. Oh, okay. So. And the other one. Asherillon knew that, but he also knew that he had to intervene and do the right thing. He ran straight for the island. He knocked on the door and asked if he could stay the night, thinking he would find his tricky brothers and drag them back home. Oh, said the witch, it is hard to refuse lodgings to anyone on such a wild, stormy night. In reality, it wasn't wild or stormy at all. <laughs> the witch, witch. <laughs> the witch just always said that because it sounded creepy. 
I wonder if you are anything like the two young men who came this way earlier today, she continued, then opened the door and welcomed Asherelin in. Asherelin. I think it was a wrong idea. I would have told the dad that the two brothers went to the hut because you said earlier that the dad was tricky and maybe he could help. That would have been a good idea. Because he likes the brothers, he just doesn't like Asher Ellen. True. Or. True, yeah. Or Asher Ellen could have just gotten the coins and just run away. And buy his own place. Totally, he could have just peaced out. Peace out. <laughs> you can see how me and Lene are very different. <laughs> Two different perspectives. <laughs> um, okay, she brought him to a table where his brothers and her apprentice sat. Dinner was almost served. Upon seeing Asherelin, his two half-brothers scowled at him, oblivious of the danger they were in. After dinner, she told the three strangers to sleep in a room on the right side of the house. After they all were in bed, Asherelin decided not to go to bed, and instead to sneak around and try to find a way to escape the witch's house. While he was exploring the house and checking to see if everyone else was asleep, he overheard the witch and her apprentice talking. Once our strangers are asleep, she said, I want you to rob them of all of their money and their clothes. We will then tie them up and turn them into animals. Like... (gasps) I love your witch's voice. (laughs) Like the others, so they can work on our farm. I will show that farmer Laura who is the best worst farmer in town <laughs> she said <clears throat> then crackled like a horrible wicked hag <laughs> asherelin immediately ran back to the bedroom and told his brothers what the witch was plotting they didn't believe him so he promised them desserts back home if they climbed out of the side window with him on their way to the bridge they passed a number of farm animals including a couple of pigs that were wallowing in the mud. What sad pigs, Asherelin said as he passed. The pigs just rolled back over and laid down. They're just fat, dumb pigs, Maurice said. Charmin laughed, then made an obnoxious pig noise. When they got to the bridge, two half-brothers stopped, for they could not go a step further across the bridge. The spell would not let anyone with impure hearts cross it, and the two half-brothers' hearts were far from pure. Wait, Dad? Yeah? Does pure mean never have done something wrong, or does pure mean, like, have a good intention? I think it's, like, have a good intention. Okay. Yeah. Because everyone makes mistakes, right? Yeah. Yeah, everyone makes mistakes. Okay. So Asher Ellen ran across the bridge... But he soon realized that his brothers would not be able to cross. When he looked back up at the house, he saw the apprentice pointing at the boys. Ha ha ha! Those boys will never make it across the bridge. Then he began hobbling down the hill. Asherelin ran back over to the bridge. If I had any doubt in my mind of your hearts, I know now, he said, for this is the bridge of integrity and he tried to think about how he could get his brothers across. Now you can't walk across, he pondered. Hurry, Maurice yelled. Think of something, you baboon. 
Charmin just started crying like a baby. Maybe if I... And before he finished, Asherah lifted up his brothers and carried them both across the bridge. Dang, Asher. Yeah, Asher's, Asher's kind of strong. strong. Well, maybe he got strong by, like, doing all of the chores. Totally. Do your chores, kids. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and get strong. Yes. <laughs> so all the while, the apprentice tried to hobble his way down the hill faster and faster. Eventually, both the apprentice and the witch arrived at the bridge. Curse you, Asherellin, she said, for nor she nor the apprentice could cross the bridge. They were both stuck. All the way home, Maurice and Charmin complained about how lame Asherellin was and that he owed them dessert when they got home. The next day, word came that there was work at the king's castle. I'm going to get some work, said Asherellin to his brothers. Maybe you should too, so we can earn some money and start saving. His two half-brothers rolled their eyes. They could not be bothered with work. While working at the king's castle, Asherellin learned that the king's niece had moved to Morinville and was having a birthday. He'd also learned that a few of her servants had gone missing weeks ago. While Asherellin was cleaning up the palace garden one day, he came upon her. Her name was Princess Faramore. Why are you so sad? he asked. She laughed at Asherellin because he was a peasant boy. And for a peasant boy to talk to a princess like that was seen as too bold and impolite. But when she realized that he was a nice, simple-minded boy, she decided to answer him. I will tell you the reason. For starters, I have lost my two best servant friends. Do you know what it's like to lose a friend? Asherellin thought for a second. He hadn't had much time to meet friends, with all the work his stepfather and half-brothers made him do. And secondly, she continued, not waiting for an answer, my uncle, King Bartholomew, is so preoccupied with finding the Dagger of Light that he can't even throw me a birthday party to celebrate. Asherellin looked at her. If my friends were here, we would have a great birthday party, she lamented. What if someone brought the Dagger of Light back? Asherellin asked. Would the king then throw you a party? I think he would, she said. But it still wouldn't mean as much without my friends. And if I brought the dagger back, would you promise me an invitation? Princess Faramore looked at Asherellen. There was no way this boy could bring back the mighty dagger of light, when so many soldiers couldn't. But the thought of someone bringing it to her was exciting. And what harm would it do if she did make this promise? If he brought it back, she didn't mind him actually coming to the party. Okay, I would. I would give you a royal invitation from myself, she agreed, extending her hand. Ashrelin shook it confidently. He also thought about her two missing friends and how difficult it must be to be without them. The next morning, he set out on his mission, and he had a plan. His half-brothers played hundreds of tricks on him over the years while he was nice. He also was really smart and paid a lot of attention. So he stopped at a shop to buy a whole can of salt and a few other provisions that he would need. From there, he went on his way, never stopping until he reached the witch's house. Right at nightfall, he climbed the gable, looked down, and saw the apprentice making a great pot of strombosi. 
Strombosi was one of the most delightful soups in all of the land of Etheria. Mm. <laughs> I am hungry like a hawk, cried the witch. Hurry up. As soon as the apprentice looked up at the witch to respond, Asherellen dropped the entire can of salt into the pot. The witch waited and waited until at last she cried out again, Bring me the strombosy! I'm starving! I will eat it right out of the pot! Just bring it here and bring me some milk as well! The apprentice brought her the soup and milk, and the witch began to eat it. But at the first taste, she leapt up and spat it out, screaming, You put salt in place of my meal! Her eyes burned at the apprentice, and she lifted her hands to cast a spell. I did not! I did not! The apprentice protested, cowering at the knees. You did, and it's a mean trick that you played on me. Throw this out to the pigs outside and go get me some water from the well in the field. I must wash this horrible taste from my throat. I, I, I cannot go, said the apprentice. The night is too dark. I might fall into the well. You must go and bring the water. I cannot live till morning without eating, she complained. I am as hungry as yourself, said the apprentice. But how can I go to the well without a light? I will not go unless you give me a light. Take the dagger of light, she bellowed. I cannot wait a moment longer. Oh no, is... <laughs> Asher's gonna get away with it. We're gonna see. She hobbled over to the cabinet by the hearth and opened it. Laying there on one of the shelves was a glowing dagger. The apprentice took it and went out, holding it in front of him so he could see the path. As he walked to the well, he saw no one around and set the dagger on the top of the steps leading down to the water so as to have good light. He had not gone down many steps when Asherellen saw his chance and grabbed the dagger. The moment he grabbed it, something came over him. The power of the dagger gave him the ability to see things that he had never seen before. For example, he could see better in the dark, not just because of the dagger's light, but also because the dagger was magic and gave him a sense of hidden things all around him. He now saw a fairy flying in the distance. When he looked back at the witch's house, it had a dark, heavy aura around it. And with the dagger in his hands, he could feel how horrible the witch's house was. When he looked back at the witch's house, he also noticed something very strange. The pigs that sat outside in the mud had a bright white aura around them. What? Huh? Special pigs. When he looked harder, he noticed that the pigs were actually two servant girls. Could these be Faramore's missing servant friends? <gasps> he asked himself. <gasps> he ran up to the mud pit to get a closer look. Why, hello, he said. Have you come to get us? One of the girls asked. I have now, Asherellen replied. But we must hurry before the apprentice notices what's missing. Asherellen picked up the pigs, one in each arm, and began running over the hills towards the Bridge of Integrity. The apprentice quickly noticed that the light from his dagger was gone and began shouting and screaming with all of his might in the dark. 
It took a minute for the witch to realize what was going on, but she came running to the door, cussing. What is your problem, you wretched apprentice? She scowled. The dagger! The dagger! It's gone! The apprentice yelped. Someone has taken it from the step! No, you foolish, foolish old bag! The witch howled, then rushed off the front porch and down the hill into dark. But they were too late and didn't come near Asher Ellen until after he and the servant girls had crossed over the bridge. Give me back my dagger, she yelled, stamping her feet. Then upon seeing the pigs across the bridge, And my servants, you horrible, wretched little boy! Never, shouted Asher Ellen. <laughs> I will keep the dagger of light and return these girls to their homes. Now that they had crossed back over the bridge of integrity, the evil witch's magic had no longer worked, and they had been transformed back into their normal selves, the two servant girls. Asherellen bid them farewell, and they headed to their homes, promising never to venture to the witch's house again. The next day, Asherellen took the dagger to the king's niece. I have the dagger of light, he said. Will you grant me an invitation to your party? I will, she said, and she gave him a handwritten note that he could use to gain entry to her party. She then brought the dagger of light to the king, and within a week, a celebration was planned for Princess Faramore. Only, when Asherellen brought the note home to his stepfather and half-brothers, they immediately took the note and said that he could only go with them to party if he was able to clean the entire house. Oh, no. So Asherellen worked all day and all night for the entire week, cleaning every room of the house over and over again until it was spotless. He had never been to a royal party before and was excited to get the chance to meet new people. But you have nothing to wear said Asherellen's stepfather. You can't go to the party looking like a peasant boy. Very godmother. <laughs> we'll wait and see. Mm -hmm. I won't look like a peasant boy, Asherellen said, for he had made friends with the palace tailor who made him a fine suit from the scraps of the royal family. When his stepfather saw Asherellen in his finely made suit, he was filled with rage, for he looked better than his own son's. Why, look at you, boy, in those fancy pants, he said, mm -hmm. mocking Asherellen. It would be unfortunate if the arm seams weren't strong enough, he said, ripping the sleeves right off the suit. Don't you think? His voice was like poison. Asherellen's two brothers snickered. Yeah, father, Maurice awkwardly agreed. Oh, what a shame it would be if the buttons of your shirt didn't work, his stepfather said pointing to the buttons on Asherellen's shirt. Maurice walked up and grabbed Asherellen's buttoned-up shirt and ripped it open, sending buttons into all corners of the room. This isn't, uh, this is <laughs> unkind. Horrible. Horrible. What horrible stitching, his father continued. And these suit pants. How on earth would the king feel if you showed up with horribly ripped suit pants? He looked over at Charmin, who grabbed one of his pant legs and made a huge tear at the seam. The old man looked around the room that Asher Ellen had spent all day cleaning. What a mess you've created, Asher Ellen. It's a shame you couldn't keep this place clean in time for the party. He then ripped the pants even more and kicked over a small end table with a large vase on it. The vase fell over and crashed on the ground, sending bits of shard all over the room. He then snatched the note and headed out the door. Hurry up, boys. We have a party to get to. He laughed, 
grabbing Asherallon's two half-brothers. Asherallon stood there, clothes torn and ripped. All of the tailor's amazing work was ruined. He ran out the house and out the back door. Before he could run any further, there stood before him the big gray tiger. The very guy. <laughs> the very... <laughs> anyway. Anyways, the very same tiger that had picked up all the coins his brother had thrown in the mud. Dry your eyes, Asherellen, for today is not the day for tears. Whatever do you mean? Asherellen asked. My suit is torn apart, and there is no way I can attend the party without an invitation. The large tiger walked up to the boy and licked the tears from his eyes. Tonight, you are to go to the party. Looking like this? Asherellen said, pointing to his ripped shirt, and his pants were barely hanging on to his waist. The tiger looked Asherellen in the eyes. Brace yourself, young warrior, he said, then took a deep breath and let out a large roar that engulfed the yard. It wasn't just any roar. It was powerful and strong, but also warm and soft. It encompassed him with hope. It was so strong, it blew the trees and rattled the windowsills on the house. The air that hit Asherellen, though, was strong, powerful, and wrapped around him and lifted him up off the ground. He was being carried by the breath of this large tiger. Higher and higher he floated off the ground. The wind danced around and through his limbs and every fiber of his suit. Threads and strings that had been ripped apart began to sew, and the arms of the suit came back together. The buttons that had flown off his shirt began to resurface, reconnect, and recreate on the shirt. The tears on his pants came back together even stronger than before. The very suit he wore began to shine brighter with a softness and strength that Asherallen had never felt before. His shoes were shinier, and even his hair began to trim and style itself in a way he'd never done before. It was fashionable, and it looked good. When the whole ordeal was over, the tiger's magic breath released him to the ground. Asherallen looked at his sleeves and at his pants, he could see his own reflection in his shoes, and he looked good. He now had a fancy tie and jewelry that was like nothing he'd ever seen, even on royalty. Asher of Morinvale, the tiger said, using Asherellen's real name. Tonight, you are to be the man you were destined to be. Asherellen looked at the tiger, speechless. But you must return here tonight, before midnight. All that you see... All that I have done this night for you will vanish at midnight, and you will return to the boy you were before. I breathe magic upon you. Asherellen nodded. The tiger let out another loud roar toward the front of the house. Immediately, a stagecoach appeared from the dirt, along with two beautiful stallions and a driver. Asherellen turned to get into the stagecoach. One last thing, the tiger said, and he motioned to a small gift sitting on the ground. Bring this to Princess Faramore. Asherellen picked up the gift, not quite sure what it was. But when he turned to ask the tiger what it was, the tiger was gone. And all that he had heard were the tiger's words echoing in the distance. Midnight, midnight, midnight. <laughs> he jumped into the stagecoach and headed to the palace 
Inside the stagecoat was a note, even more beautiful and formal than the one Fairmore had written him. It was a personal invitation from the king himself to join the party. And when Asher Allen got to the party, he had the most amazing time. He danced like he never danced before. And when he went up to Princess Fairmore, it was clear that she was in a good spirit with her friends. And she looked at him differently than she did in the garden. And he looked at her differently too, for she looked beautiful and radiant. Princess Fairmore of Morinvale, he said, bowing before her and showing her the respect of a princess. A pleasure to meet you, she said, giving Asherel in her hand. Asherel realized at that moment that she didn't know who he was, and he decided not to tell her. This may be my chance to be more in life, he thought, to be something bigger and greater. So he kept his identity a secret. Fairmore grew quite fond of him, and to be honest, he grew fond of her as the night continued. For Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. For her intelligence, kindness, and boldness came out. She dreamt of one day ruling, like her mother before her, and she hated castle life and wanted nothing more than to know her people deeply and empower them to live healthy and adventurous lives. They had so much fun that Asher Allen completely lost track of time and almost forgot about the package the tiger had given him. Wait, this is for you, he said, handing her the gift. She looked at him and smiled. A gift! How wonderful! She tore open the box, and inside it was a golden locket. Princess Faramore's eyes filled with tears. How on earth did you get this? she asked. But the clock interrupted their moment, striking midnight. Asherillon quickly excused himself and ran out of the palace and down the main steps to the castle. Only he ran too hastily, and one of his gloves fell out of his pocket. Fairmore, realizing she lost someone whom she very much liked and wanted to see again, picked up the glove and vowed that she would find this mysterious gentleman if it was the last thing she did. The next morning, word traveled fast that Princess Fairmore had met a mysterious young boy who had swept her off her feet and returned her long-lost family heirloom, and then left in an awful hurry. She never got his name, but only a single white silk glove that he left behind. I thought he was wearing green. You thought he was wearing green? But, yeah, like the Wensler from the Grinch. I mean, four hours. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this isn't a Dr. Seuss story. No. This is like I, a fairy tale. I pictured he was wearing like a black tuxedo with a white tie. Like oh. Artemis Fowl. Yeah, yeah, and a um, like fancy old-fashioned hairdo. Totally, I think he probably looked more like that. Mm-hmm. Um, where were we? Okay, so the king announced that everyone in the kingdom would have to try on the white silk glove until they found the one to whom it fit. Wait, that's how they would find the mysterious guest. Yeah. I feel like more than one per- person would have the same size of glove. We're just going to, like, suspend judgment for that for Magical. a little bit. Mm-hmm. So the king advisors traveled throughout the land, door to door, with the white silk glove, making every possible boy and man try it on. When they came to Asherellen's house, his stepfather made sure that Asherellen was busy cleaning up all sorts of artificial messes around the house. The shattered vase still needed to be clean, but he made him sweep the fireplace, reshelve books that were already shelved, and dust the attic, which you all know will always be dusty no matter what. In the living room, 
Asherel and his two stepbrothers saw this as their chance to finally meet a girl. And not just any girl, one of the most important girls in Morinvale. But when the advisors came and they put the glove on their hands, they were much too big and chubby to fit in the white silk glove. And we are not going to get gruesome in this one. <laughs> like the other stories. You idiots, their father scolded them. Maurice and Charmin rolled their eyes and scowled back. Might you have any other gentlemen in the house? asked the king advisor. No, just these two fine gentlemen, said Asherellen's stepfather. Asherellen walked down from the attic. Overhearing the discussion in the living room, he could take it no longer. He had been thinking of how much fun him and Faramore had had and wanted nothing more than to see her again. He also knew that if he spoke up now, his father couldn't stop him from trying on the glove. Might I give it a try? asked Asherellen. His stepfather glared at the boy, and he was about to lash out when Maurice spoke up. Yeah, give the poor guy a try, he mocked. He didn't really mean it, though. Asherellen wasn't even at the party, or so he thought. Yeah, give him a try, Charmin added. Asherellen's stepfather <laughs> looked at his boys with a devilish smile. Why, of course. How could I have forgotten our dear Asherellen? Only he wasn't at the ball, you see. The advisor looked at the old man and the two suspicious sons. <laughs> Even so, the king's orders are for all men to be fitted. He finally said, brushing off the stepfather. It could have been a girl. You never know. Yeah. It totally could have. You're right. So the princess well, probably knew it was a girl. I'm sure she probably found out he was. He probably, yeah. she probably asked if he was a boy or a girl. But he probably wasn't wearing a mask. So. No. Probably t- okay, sorry. Okay, okay sorry. we digress. Um, even so, the king, the king's orders are for all men to be fitted, he finally said, brushing off the stepfather. Asherellen's brothers were horrible and both made ugly faces, faces at Asherellen. Don't you think we should get second chances? Maurice said, and then he snatched the glove. But I wasn't done trying it on, Charmin yelled. No, you buffoon, I wasn't. Plus, I'm older, argued Maurice. And they both pulled on either finger of the glove until it began to tear in half. But they kept going, and in their anger ripped the entire white silk glove to shreds, to the point where the glove was unwearable. I'm so sorry, Asherellen, but it looks like you won't be able to try the glove on after all, said his stepfather. A cruel smile crept on his face. The advisor looked at the torn-up glove and shook his head. The king will not like this at all, he said, heading towards the door. I gotta get it. Yeah, they gonna get it. They are gonna get it. Wait, shouted Asherellen. What if I showed you this? Would that help? And Asherellen pulled out of his pocket the matching white silk glove. Dear boy, yes it would, the advisor said. Does it fit? Asherellen put the glove over his hand, which fit perfectly. Both his half-brothers and stepfather glared and stomped their feet. Come with me, the advisor said. Fairmore and the king must meet you immediately. Never in all of the land of Etheria has such a boy with an amazing story been found. And the advisor ushered Asher back to the kingdom immediately, where he met the king and Princess Fairmore again, this time as his real self. And that was the beginning of how Asher and Faramore became very, very good friends.
The end. The end. Okay, so what do you guys think the moral of the story was? Go ahead, Luca. Okay, um, I think that the first moral of the story might be um, to be kind to others even when they're not so kind to you. Because in the story, Asher, um, his, Asher's half-brothers were really rude to him, but he still... But Asher still helped them across the bridge because they couldn't cross. Yeah. I kind of agree with Luca, but mine's a bit different. I think that the rule, the um, moral is actually the golden rule, which is to treat others the way that you would like to be treated. Because even though his stepbrothers treated Asher poorly, he kept treating them nice with kindness and like went to go after them and like help them across the bridge, even though he could have left them. Yeah. I think it's always keep a can of salt because you never know when you're going to have to poison <laughs> and steal a dagger of light. <laughs> okay. Thank you, everybody. Have a good night. Okay. Good night, everybody. Good night, everyone. That was Jeremy, Ladea, and Luca reading Asherellen, based in the world of Etheria. You can follow them on Twitter, Facebook, and on Instagram, we're going to leave links in the episode bio. All you have to do is click either the Twitter word or the Facebook or the Instagram. It'll send you straight to those apps. Or you can go to the website, thelandofetheria.com, where you can subscribe to the podcast. I know I've already subscribed. I'm enjoying the podcast. I'm about three episodes into, I feel like there's 50 chapters, and every one of them is absolutely fantastic. You can learn more about the land of Etheria at any point. All you have to do is go to that website, or you can also just go to Spotify. It's on iTunes. Wherever you get your podcasts, that's where you can listen to it. It is absolutely fantastic. Please go support this awesome, amazing podcast where two young women and their father are doing something very magical. You can also follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Dads Read Princess Stories, or you can go to the website, dadsreadprincessstories.transistor.fm, and you can click any of those links. You can subscribe to our newsletters. We have one more episode coming out. I know that I said that this was our final episode of season two, but we have one bonus episode coming out later in the week. I have a very amazing interview slash conversation with Canadian author Amanda LaDuke about her newest book. It's called Disfigured on Fairy Tales, Disability, and Making Space. It's an amazing book to read. She has another book coming out very soon called The Centaur's Wife. Don't worry, we're not going to be gone for very long. We are in prep stage right now for season three, doing our recordings and getting those stories ready for all of you. They're going to be coming out probably in January, late December. But until then, please, everyone, stay safe.